For those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Jeremy Anderson, and I'm originally from the Sugar Grove campus. Uh, two years ago, uh, the Sugar Grove campus kind of sent my wife and I out to Indian Creek, where we're serving now as the campus pastor, and, uh, but still involved here. So some of you may know this, some not, but I work alongside Mario and Mitch, uh, who was up here as well, to lead the student ministries here at the Sugar Grove campus. So we're really excited to be back for a Sunday, and lots of familiar faces, and I got to be honest, Lots of new faces, so that's really exciting to see. So glad that uh, you're all here, glad to be with you this morning, and really excited to open God's Word with you. So I invite you to open up to the Gospel of Mark uh, with me this morning. And I have a feeling, I have a feeling that especially if you were one of those 125 volunteers for VBS this last week, you might really relate with our passage this morning and the disciples and what they had going on in their lives. See, we're going to see this instance where Jesus, had he's been doing a lot of ministry. He's had his disciples alongside of him, but they've been kind of observing, watching Jesus do things so far. And now we're going to see Jesus send them out. Say, hey, it's your turn. You're going to go and do a lot of ministry. And then they're going to come back to Jesus later. And that's kind of where we want to wrap some of our time up and looking at how Jesus responds and interacts with the disciples as they return today. So let's look at Mark chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 7, and we're going to read through verse 13, and then we're going to jump down to verse 30 and read a couple of verses down there. So let's uh, open God's Word. It says, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. And so they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Verse 30, the apostles then returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask a blessing upon this time. Lord, I ask that you would speak the truths of Scripture through me. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts. Lord, I ask that you'd be in our midst, that you'd be honored and glorified in the moments to come. Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Jesus sent his disciples out, and he brought them back, or they all gathered back with Jesus again, and his response to them was, let's go take a break. And that's why I'm thinking in some ways, especially if you were at VBS this week, you're giving maybe a bit of an amen to Jesus' response. You had a a busy week, lots of fruitful ministry. We see in verses 12 and 13 of our text today that the disciples had gone out and they did what Jesus sent them to do. Uh, They preached the gospel. They healed people. They cast out demons. Now they've come back with kind of a ministry report saying, hey, here's what's happened. And Instead of these hoorahs and pats on the back and congratulations, you guys have done it, Jesus says it's time to take a break. We are also sent out to do ministry, whether it's going on a missions trip somewhere else in the country or around the world, or sent to be missionaries in our jobs, missionaries in our neighborhoods, or missionaries even amongst our church. We are called to do ministry. And so as we continue in this series called Help, we want to stop and recognize that with the demands of life, 
sometimes we find ourselves feeling just at our wit's end. Now you're looking at our text and you're like, well, the disciples didn't necessarily seem like they were at their wit's end, and, and maybe they weren't, but I believe Jesus' response is going to help give a little bit of insight into hopefully, if you're finding yourself in the midst of the struggle, either working out of it, learning some things from our Savior, or uh, even avoiding the disaster of burnout altogether. But before we get to Jesus' response, I want us to stop and recognize a couple of things. The first of which is that Jesus recognized in this instance that his disciples just could not continue on going. They couldn't keep up that pace that they had been at. They had been going, and it says uh, here that there were many coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. And so as we look at this text, it's important for us to stop and recognize that there's going to be a lot that demands our lives. And we're familiar in life with the consequences of maybe overdrafting a checking account or what happens when you live on credit for too long. Someone's going to start calling because those funds are going to be due. You owe those things. But sometimes we don't think that practically when it comes to our very lives, when it comes to the time that we have, the energy we have. And so I want to address this topic, this struggle today of feeling at our wits end from this place of burnout this place that we approach when maybe we've taken on, maybe we've overdrafted ourselves a little bit and we're facing some of those consequences and we're struggling through that just a tad. And Jesus' response, I believe, is going to help us get there. But before we do, there's a couple of truths and facts that we need to stop and accept from the scriptures and from our text. Because if we don't accept these, we're going to find ourselves struggling in this battle and maybe finding ourselves slipping more and more and more into a place of burnout. The first of these truths is that work is not the enemy. You have a commission. Oftentimes when we find ourselves feeling at our wit's end, we feel like we're running on E. The tank's empty. You've got nothing left. You're just, you're tapped. Maybe some of you are feeling a little bit that way this morning after a full week of EBS. You're here a lot, you're doing a lot that you don't normally do, and you're feeling a little tired today. Maybe you're starting there. Maybe some of you have been here for a while. And what happens is when we feel this burnout, this feeling of at wit's end start to set in, we can almost create a false enemy. Or we look at our work where we look at our commitments, where we look at the ministry that we're part of, and we start to point at that and say, if only I didn't have all of that going on, then I would feel better. And we create this enemy out of our work. But our work is not the enemy. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 1, before the fall, God created humanity to be workers. He created us to work. In Genesis 1, he told Adam, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Before the fall, there was responsibility given to humanity to have dominion over this earth. Two chapters later, we see the fall and we see the consequences that come with it. That's where we have the pain, the toil, the sweat, the hardship. We're at the end of a long day work or a long week's work. You're like, I just, I'm exhausted right now. I've got nothing left. That's the consequence of the fall. But let's not stop and say, just because work can wear us out or ministry can wear us out, that those things are bad. We were created to do those things. But sin has entered into the equation and sin has made work what it wasn't intended to be. The problem isn't work. The problem is sin. So rather than pointing the finger being, if I just didn't have to do fill in the blank, like, man, sin has really ruined the joy of some of this work, so let me look to the Lord 
Let me look to him for my strength. Let me look to him rather than just complaining and throwing out the good blessings that come with the responsibilities we have. The second truth that we need to stop and remember, and we even see it in our text today, is uh, there's in verse 31, it talks many coming and going, no leisure, right? Is we have to stop and recognize that we have a capacity. You have a capacity. Yes, you should work. Work is a blessing. Work is a gift. But you have a capacity to that work. And oftentimes we find ourselves in a place of burnout when we just drive right past that capacity and we're like, forget about it. I can handle it. I can take it on. And we just keep going. And oftentimes we'll find ourselves looking to the people around us and kind of comparing ourselves to them because you'll find somebody who can handle a lot. You probably know someone who's, they're involved in a lot of different things. They're doing so much and they seem to be doing it really well. And we look at them and we're like, if they can handle it, why can't I? So sure, I'll, I'll help out with this. I'll volunteer here. I'll add to And then we start to take a bunch on ourselves. And you quickly start to feel like, man, I'm having a harder time than they are. We just stop and recognize, remember, that not all of us are created the exact same. God has given each of us different gifts, different passions, different callings. So we need to be careful as we compare ourselves with others. But despite those varying capacities that may come from person to person, all of us, every single person lives with some limitation. Every single person has capacity. Three of them that we can talk about this morning is that all of us are bound by time. Every single one of us has 24 hours in a day. And oftentimes when we talk about that and someone says, you, you have, everyone has 24 hours, right? We start to approach it from the, how can you do more? How can you better utilize those 24 hours to get more done, to be more efficient, to be more productive? But I want to just stop and recognize for a second, you have 24 hours. And within those 24 hours, you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to be with your family, you need to work. There's a lot that goes into that. So the question becomes, how do you utilize, how are you stewarding those 24 hours? So that, man, when you are doing a ministry, when you are at work, you're able to give it 100%. You're able to just go. That involves stewarding that time to make sure that you may be rested and available as well. Secondly, we're all bound by space. None of you are here this morning and somewhere else. Or you're really something special. <laughs> you might be somewhere else mentally, but you're here physically. And none of us can be in two places at once. None of us can be at work and at home taking a nap. None of us can be here at church and at home on the couch. None of us can be, we can't be in two places. We're all bound by, it's a limitation that you've got to learn to live with. It'd be nice if we could be in multiple places at a time sometimes, wouldn't it? But we can't. Third, we're all bound by need. All of us have basic physical needs. I don't care how strong you are, how uh, diligent you are. I don't care how productive you are. You have physical needs. If you neglect to sleep for a week, you're not going to do so hot. If you don't eat, if you don't drink, we, if you don't breathe, we have needs that we have to live within. And we're going to find in our text that the disciples had found themselves in a place where they were stretched in each of those limitations, each of those capacities. Look at verses 31 and 32. It says, For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure time, even to eat need. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Space. They couldn't just stay where they were at and keep going. Jesus said, we need to get 
get away from here. So as we look at these capacities, I want to be careful to not say, hey, you know what? Recognize your capacity. It's not a bad thing. God's created us with capacities, and I believe he's created us with capacities and limitations so that we don't start to think of ourselves as more than we should, that we don't start to think, I can do it myself, or to dare believe that we can have the same kind of control and power that God has. Our limitations remind us that we're finite. They remind us that we can't be everything, but they remind us that there's a God who's much greater a God who is much stronger, who is limitless in his power. So I want to think about our, uh, our friend Moses for a second, though, because as we talk about these capacities and stuff, you're thinking, well, there's always more need, isn't there? There's always need. There's always a ministry that needs a little help. There's always somebody else who's calling you up and saying, hey, I've got an issue. How do I rest? How do I live within a capacity when there's more that needs to be done, especially if you're looking around and you're not seeing other people step up to the plate. If no one else is going to do it, then I'll do it. Next thing you know, you've got 18 different things you're involved in. You can't keep the words straight and your mind is all over the place. You're like, what's happening? What do we do? Well, Moses and part of his ministry, there came a point where he was sitting before the whole congregation of Israel and he would sit there all day long. And they would bring dispute after dispute after dispute after dispute after dispute to Moses. And his father-in-law comes up to him and is like, hey, what are you doing? This is not good. And Moses' response to why he was doing that is because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Now let me ask you, is that a bad thing to do? You can, you can feed back here. That's good. No, that's a good thing to do that. Was all the ministry the disciples were doing, was that bad things? No. The problem was they had taken on too much. They had taken on too much. And we can often find ourselves in a similar place where we're doing a lot of good, great ministry, even fruitful ministry at times. But we're taking on more than we can handle more than you can effectively do, and you're going to start to see your, it slips a little bit. You start to tap out. You start That tank starts to run on E. You have a hard time keeping up with it. So it's so important for us to stop and to recognize these two truths. We hold these things in tension because if we neglect either one of them, if we forget about work being a good thing, then we'll sit around and do nothing and we'll be very unproductive. And we're not going to do anything for the glory of God. We're going to sit around and enjoy laziness. But on the other hand, we can take on too much that we can't actually take. So we hold these two truths in tension with each other. Work is good, but I have a limit. I have a capacity. Now with these things in mind, I want to look back to our story a little bit and see some, some principles that might help us when we find ourselves in a time of struggle or hardship, especially as it relates to feeling a little burnt out. Now, the first of these is to stop and learn the value of what it means to rely. To rely. You'll notice uh, right away in verse 7, it says that Jesus called the 12 and he began to send them out two by two. And I think that's kind of interesting. You know, culturally speaking, we, we are different than they are. Because we'll say, hey, you can go handle this by yourself. But in their culture, in their time, 
It was on the basis of two or three witnesses that a claim was affirmed, right? So if Jesus said, hey, you're all 12, you're going to go out by yourselves and go start preaching uh, that people should repent, and you're going to cast out demons, and you're going to heal people. Some people might have looked and been like, who's this wacko who's coming out here teaching all this stuff? This is strange new teachings. This isn't but on the basis of two minutes, like, okay, there might be some credibility here. Let's pay attention because now two people are coming to say the same thing. But built into those partnerships of those disciples is things like companionship, support, care for one another. They're sharing the load of ministry. They're not taking the whole weight on themselves because we know, we know how life is. Some days are really good days. You're feeling really encouraged. And another day, tomorrow, <laughs> one might get you. And you're feeling it just a little bit more. And it's helpful to have those people around us that can say, hey, don't give up on it. Keep going. Keep going. It's another day. But there's a lot of good and there's a lot of purpose that we have in our lives. So I think in some level, Jesus is saying, hey, there's some value to relying on the people around you. There's some value to it. Who are the people in your life that you're able to rely on? Who are there to support you, encourage you, you know, when the days are tough and you're, and you're starting to feel a little tat? Someone who can kind of keep things in perspective because the reality you're starting to feel and see is just a little off. And they can remind you of what's true. They can remind you of what God's really doing. But more importantly than that, I believe that Jesus is teaching his disciples a very valuable lesson about trusting in him. You'll notice in verse 8, it says that he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, and no money. Take nothing with you. Now, those who are going on mission trips don't know this yet. But they don't get to take anything with them either. Just kidding. <laughs> but why would Jesus say this? Is it so that they would go and just have a miserable missions trip? Is it because to accept some call to ministry, you've got to also accept some call to poverty? I've got to have nothing if I'm going to serve Jesus? Or do you think that maybe... Maybe Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that you need to rely on me for everything. Don't take any money with you. Don't take any food with you and don't take any stuff with you so that every meal that they would eat, they would stop and recognize this is from the Lord. So that every time a need was met, they'd say this is from God. And what a valuable thing for us to learn in our lives and that is an ongoing learning, isn't it? That as we go throughout our lives to trust God for everything, because we need it from him. He's, Jesus is teaching his disciples something valuable about what it means to do ministry. You need me. You need me. And oftentimes we can neglect this just a little bit in our lives. We'll get involved in ministry. We'll get busy with work and we'll be going, going, going. Maybe it's, I was talking to some people, they got kids on three different baseball teams and that alone sounds stressful to me. And life can pull us in many different directions and we almost forget what it means to rely on God as if we were relying on him for what we're going to eat for lunch today. So that everything we stop and say, this is from the Lord. I need him for every need that I have. It's so important for us to stop and recognize that we need to learn the value of relying on others, but most importantly, brothers and sisters, the value of relying on God. Day in and day out. Secondly, 
the value of regrouping. In verse 30, the disciples had gone out, they had gone and done all this ministry, and then they synced up their Google calendars. They said, we're going to meet at noon next Thursday at uh, the local restaurant, and we're going to meet together and talk about the ministry that we've done. They come back, meet with Jesus, and they talk about what they've taught, what they've seen. There's a value in coming back together. And I want to say this because as research will show that when you feel you're in a place of burning out, and maybe you can relate to this, you start to disconnect. Because you just don't know how to handle all of it. So you start taking steps back from your commitments. You start taking steps back from your relationships with people in your life. So I talk about regrouping because, number one, the disciples, they do come back together. They involve themselves with other believers who are in the trenches with them. But most importantly, it says that they returned to Jesus. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we fail to do this, it will become a burdensome load that you carry. Regroup with your Savior. And I'm not talking about the hour-long times where you sit down and you're like, I'm going to get rid of my phone so the kids, kids don't need me for an hour. You know, where am I going to find that? I'm talking about the little conversations with the Lord as you're going throughout your day. Lord, I'm showing up at work today, and here's what I've got on my plate. This is what you've put before me. Uh, Lord, help me do this. Uh, give me wisdom. Give me patience. Give me grace. Maybe this morning you taught a Sunday school class, and you're showing up to class, and you're like, oh. This is going to, after a week of VBS, I'm tired. I don't have patience, Lord. Lord, I'm teaching a class this morning with little kids, and you know I don't have it in me. But give me the strength. Give me the patience. Give me the love for them so that I can be what you have called me to be. I don't know what that looks like in your life. It's walking into work. It's waking up in the morning when the kid's crying. Whatever that may be, Lord, and you talk with him about your day. Good, bad, ugly. What's regrouping look like for you? Is this something you do only on Sunday mornings once a week? Twice a week because you got small group? Is it just a morning thing, like I only regroup in the morning? Or is it ongoing throughout the day? I encourage you guys, let's make regrouping with our Savior something that's so vital to our lives. Third is rest. Third is rest. You'll notice Jesus' response to his disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Now, I try to put myself in the disciples' circumstance here. A time of good, fruitful ministry. And you almost start to think, right, that after that period of time, now is when you dig in. Now is when you'd almost expect them to come back to Jesus and say, okay, you've just scraped the surface. Now, go deeper. Push through. Dig deep. You know, now is the time. Carry the load. Because you got a little momentum. Let's keep this thing going. There's a lot of people. We don't want to lose this. Right? But Jesus says, no, let's, let's leave and go rest. Rest is such an important part of our lives because we are limited. Isn't it so interesting? Have you ever thought about the fact that we have to sleep every night? You ever, like, contemplated that? I think from a theological standpoint, it's really interesting. Because the fact that you need to take a nap this afternoon, you need to go to bed tonight, ought to teach you something about yourself. That you need to be rejuvenated. That you need to reset. You need to rest. You need to sleep. But we serve a God, man, who, he doesn't need to sleep. 
God doesn't need to rest. He is a God who's limitless in his power. And that tells us something so fascinating about who we are and who God is. But I love that Jesus says, guys, come take a break and rest. Because I think it shows us, number one, God understands our limitations. He'll put stuff on your plate. Maybe he's put a ton on your plate, but he also understands you need to sleep. You need to rest. That's just real life. You can go, 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 but we need to stop. And in our culture, in our society today, where we have begun to define our value and our success based on how many people need us or how busy our schedules are, what an important thing. I mean, when's the last time somebody asked you, how are you doing, and you answered, I'm busy? Isn't that, hasn't that kind of become the standard? I'm busy. As if you said, I'm doing good. Got a little free time, people will be like, what's wrong with you? Shouldn't you be doing something else? It's okay to take a rest. Now, that might be the first time you ever heard a pastor stand in front of you and say, go take a nap this afternoon. I'm surprised there weren't more amens, but I'll leave that on the table. That's okay. No problem. No problem. But in all seriousness, I do love it because in Psalm 127 too, it says, it's in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he, God, gives to his beloved sleep. If you're feeling burnt out or on your way to feeling burnt out, are you resting? Or are you just going, going, going? I hate to break it to you. You're not the Energizer Bunny. Stop and take a rest. Make sure you're getting enough sleep at night. This is practical stuff, guys. But it's right here in the scriptures. But lastly, I want to move from rest to our last principle, which we're going to cheat a little bit and move away from verse 32. And in my Bible, I have to flip the page for verse 33. It says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. See, the disciples, they had all these people coming and going. In other words, to picture it, there was lots of ministry to be done. There was more preaching. There was more evangelism. There was more healing. There was more casting out of demons. It was everywhere, all around them. And Jesus said, let's step away. And so they get in the boat and they start sailing off into the, into the sea. And as they go off, the people see, hey, there they go. And so can you imagine this? These crowds, all this need, followed them around the shore and actually raced them and beat them to where they were going. So here they are. They get in the boat to go to a desolate place and rest. And they get there and it's all there. Time to keep going. But they had some time away. They had some time to separate from that group. And so I'm telling you today, you need to make sure rest is important in your life. And maybe if you're burning out today, now's the time to say, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to rest. But it's so important that all of us look for the opportunities to rejoin. You need to get back in the saddle. You need to get back to what you were doing. Get back to the ministry. Maybe it's something new. Maybe it's the same thing you were doing. Maybe it's not everything you were doing, but it's something. We need to get back into it. Because that story, as as they approach all those crowds who had beat them there, that's when Jesus would perform that miracle of feeding the 5,000. Now, could you imagine with me for a second that the disciples get there They pull up to the shore and they see all these people and they're like, forget about it, I'm out of here. They get back in the boat and they sail off somewhere else. What an opportunity they had in front of them. 
That as we step back into things, you know, perhaps God's going to use you in new ways that you have not imagined before. Maybe you're going to see God work in greater ways than you've never seen before. But you got to step back in the game to get there. You got to say, okay, I'm willing to take what you've put before me. So don't just sit in rest mode forever. You can get comfy there real quick and real easy. But look for those opportunities to step back in. Lord, what, can, what do you got for me? What are you calling me to do? And I understand the struggle that we face, especially if you've been burnt out before or you're burning out now. The last thing you want to think about is adding something to your plate, committing to something. And if you're there in the past and you're thinking, I don't want to step back into things now because I did burn out. And I don't want to do that again, so I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. I just want to show up. I don't want to have to do anything. I don't want God to put anything on my plate. I hardly even want to go to work in the morning. I just want to do nothing. And you sit there, and I'm telling you right now, you're going to find a whole different kind of loneliness. You're going to find a whole different kind of emptiness than when your tank's just running on E. Because we were designed to, to work. We were designed to do ministry as God's people, to take the gospel and to go and to make disciples of all nations. That includes right here. So get involved, do something, say, Lord, how have you equipped me? What passions have you given me so that I can use those things? You've given me these tools. I want to use them for your glory. And the only way you can do that is by getting in the game. So don't just sit on the sideline and be the fan that cheers on. Sometimes you need to just get in and say, okay, teach me, train me, let's go. But be wise about it. Because if you were doing 18 things before and you burned out, that doesn't mean stepping back into 18 different things. That might mean you step back into one, two. Because you've learned you have a capacity. You have some limits. But you also have learned that God's created you to work. See, burnout is a real thing. And I think more and more we're going to start to see it affecting us. Maybe you haven't lived it. Maybe you don't know it, but I bet you know someone who has. Maybe you know somebody who is. Let's understand these things. And I think, guys, the greatest lesson that we could learn from this passage as we look at Jesus interacting, sending, and responding to his disciples is to stop and say, man, we need everything from him. So if you're burning out right now, and sometimes the last thing you want to hear is, look to the Lord. You're like, duh, I know that. But isn't it true? If he's a limitless God, isn't he someone we should look to? Isn't he the place that we should go for some direction? And we're saying if we're living outside of our means, shouldn't we have God say, hey, here's, here's where you're overstepping a little bit. Here's, here's where I want you to be. That as you're serving in children's ministry, student ministry, small groups, uh, local outreach, whatever that may be for you, you say, Lord, is this where you want me to be? Yes, okay, equip me, equip me, equip me. I'm trusting and relying. Because if we depart from him, Jesus says, what do you, what's going to happen? You're going to do nothing. You're going to dry up like a dead branch. Stay connected to our Savior. I'm going to close with the prophet Isaiah. who said, have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, that he doesn't faint or grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable, that he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength? Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I trust, brothers and sisters, that God will equip you for the work that He has called you to. Not more, not less. So yes, go to Him and trust in Him, and He will renew your strength.